You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. had sent warnings to him. He had great mercy on his people to send those warnings. God is still warning people today. It's still the age of grace. We still are living under the canopy of God's grace. You can still come in and avoid all the woe that's coming towards us by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, by believing that he died on a cross for your sin, declaring him Lord, confessing your sin, and believing that God raised him on the third day. You can still come into the kingdom even right now. God's greatness, God's compassion towards his people is incredible. Can you imagine watching a sporting event where one player gets a chance to make the winning score over and over again? Well, Pastor Dave shares that this is how God is with your salvation. Not only does he want to keep giving chances to win and be saved, he is in the stands cheering you on. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 36 as he begins his message, Bottom of the Ninth. like, although Jehoiakim got a single, he tried to steal second and was thrown out. Two outs. Two outs at the bottom of the ninth. Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, you're out of here. Shower time. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Jehoiachin was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months and ten days. During those three months and ten days, what did he do? He did evil in the sight of the Lord. Here's what I can't understand. They see God working against them. They see these things happening. Can they not think back when Josiah was king, how things were good and how things were peaceful and how God protected them and how God did wonderful things in their life? But yet they're still doing crazy things. They're still doing evil. Jeremiah said of Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim father, he shall not sit upon the throne of David. And the word sit here means firmly sit or dwell. And Jehoiachin's three months was that. He was only there for three months. Notice, notice as we go through this. And the turn of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned him and took him to Babylon and the costly articles of the house of the Lord and made Zedekiah, Jehoiakim's brother, king over Judah and Jerusalem. So, once again, Nebuchadnezzar comes back, and as he's back there taking Jehoi- Jehoiachin out, he says, oh, I forgot some things. And he went in and raided the temple again and took more stuff from the house of God. This becomes the third out of the inning. This becomes the third out. And gang, the sides should be retired. It should be game over. It's the ninth inning. There are three outs. It should be game over. But guess what? It's God's game. And God can make the rules. So Jerusalem, Judah, is going to get a fourth out. God is so gracious. He is so long-suffering. He is so abounding in mercy that he's going to give them even another chance. Because it's his game, his ball, his rules. And this didn't happen overnight, folks. This 
fall of Jerusalem, the fall of Judah, took years upon years upon years to come to this point. And I don't, I don't understand. When, when, when sin happens, you know, we don't automatically go out and go, I think I'm going to go sin today. No, it takes a while to steam in us. It takes a while for, to get us to go. And then we find ourselves there, and we move into that way. This is what Jerusalem did. It didn't happen in one cataclysmic battle. Nebuchadnezzar started in 605, and he didn't finish until 597 or so, and even after that. So these things happen all the time. So we have a new king now in Jerusalem, another king. His name is Zedekiah. He is Jehoiachin's successor and Jehoiakim's brother, not his son. Interesting. Read verse 11 through 14. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years. There's that 11 again. He's reigning 11 years. So you put his reign with Jehoiahaz, who reigned three months, and then Jehoiakim, who reigned 11 years. There's three months, 11. And then Jehoiachin, who reigned three months and 10 days. So that's, let me see, three months, six months, six months, 10 days. So we got 11 years, 6 months, and 10 days, and another 11 years. We got 22 years, 6 months, and 10 days. That's how long it took. He was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. What is he, drop dead stupid? <laughs> Didn't he watch what happened to everybody else who was there who rebelled against this huge and monstrous king? And Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear an oath by God, but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. And there it is, folks. There it is. Exactly what Stephen accused those who were about to stone him back in Acts 7. He called them stiff-necked and hard-hearted. The same thing is happening. He said, you're stiff-necked and hard-hearted, just like your fathers were. And here we have it. It was stiff-necked and hard-hearted. Stiff-necked means stubborn. He was stubborn. Francis the talking mule, I guess. I don't know. He was stubborn. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar had completely humbled Judah, and he put a king on the throne who he thought would submit to him. He chose his uncle of Jehoiachin, who was also the brother of Jehoiakim. In 2 Kings 24, 17, we're told the name of Zedekiah was originally Mananiah. That interestingly, the name Zedekiah means the Lord is righteous. The righteous judgment of God would soon be against Judah. God had had it. This is your last at bat, guys. You got one more out. You better swing mighty. You better swing for the fences because it's going to happen. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. It is especially shown that he did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet. Instead of listening to Jeremiah or other messages of God, they mocked them and they disregarded the message even putting Jeremiah in the jail. They even put Jeremiah in the jail and gave him bread and water to eat. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah tells us that there were many false prophets in those days who preached a message of victory and triumph for Zedekiah. So they believed them. 
And then Jeremiah comes and says, you're going to get carried away. And Throw this guy in jail. We don't like what he says. Many of us seek counsel. Many of us like to seek counsel. Seeking counsel is good. But many of us go to counselor after counselor after counselor until we find the one we like. And when we hear that call, we go, oh, that's great counsel. That's what I want to do. They might give up the godly counsel and come to someone else who tells them what they want to hear. Probably never happened to you, but it's happened to me a few times. Zedekiah rebels against King Nebuchadnezzar. In Jeremiah 52, 1 through 5, it tells us that Jeremiah clearly told Zedekiah that he would not succeed in his rebellion. He came to him and said, what are you going against this guy for? He's the king of the universe. This guy is the most powerful king ever. And you're going to go against him? Come on, you're not going to see. You have turned your back on God, and you're not going to get it. So Zedekiah had him arrested and imprisoned him. But the prophet steadfastly stayed faithful to the message of God. And I love this about Jeremiah. I really do. I love this about most prophets. They stayed faithful to the message of God. And this is a call to all of us. It's a call to me as pastor. It's a call to anybody who teaches in this church. It's a call to anybody who shares the gospel or anybody who talks. We need to stay perfect and true to the word of God. We cannot divert from the word of God. We have got to stay true to what is sent. We got to stay true to the message that God has given us through Jesus Christ. We got to stay true to the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. That's the message. And he died on that cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. And through him, we have the forgiveness of sin and everlasting life. That's the message that we can't stray from. You know, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of things in this book that we call negotiable. You know, things where we go, yeah, okay. You know, it, it might happen, it might happen. Yeah, that, that seems true. But there are those in this book that are non-negotiable. The gospel message is a non-negotiable item. Jesus Christ was a man, came to earth. He was the son of God. He walked on this earth. He was God incarnate. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was hung on a cruel Roman cross, and he took upon himself the sin of the world. And he died on that cross for you and me, and his blood cleanses us from all sin as you accept him as your Savior. They took him down from the cross, threw him in a tomb, and on the third day, he rose again. And 500 and more people saw him. And days later, he ascended into heaven and now sits on the right hand of God the Father. That's not negotiable. Jesus being God is not negotiable. The power of the Holy Spirit is not negotiable. There are things in the Bible that might be negotiable, but that's not it. We have got to stay true to the message of God, the message that God has given each one of us. But the leaders and the priests, what were they thinking? They did all sorts of things. They, were, they did all crazy things. And, and he also rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by an oath that God had but stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God. Moreover, all the leaders of Israel, the priests and the people, transgressed more and more according to all the abomination of the nations, which defiled the house of the Lord, which he had construct, con, consecrated in Jerusalem. Ah. So not only is Zedekiah leading people to the But the priests and the Levites, those who are, have the authority, are leading people astray. They're causing them to stumble. I don't know about you, but I read the word of God. What happens if you make somebody stumble? 
Jesus said it's easier and better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and jump in the water than cause one of my little ones to stumble. And here they were stumbling everybody. No wonder God had to judge them. No wonder God had to come and judge them. I think there are many in the church today that are going to be surprised when God starts judging. They're going to be surprised because they have strayed from the word of God. They're not teaching the pure word of God. They're not teaching God's pure word. And I think they're going to find themselves on the short end of the stick. And this was it. This was the finality. It was done. It was done. Final strike, game over. It's gone. Nothing left to do but experience the Lord's judgment. There was nothing left to happen. What's next? The fall of Jerusalem and the Babylonian exile. That's what was next. That comes right up. The fall of Jerusalem and the Babylonian exile. Let's look at 15 through 17. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at the prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no remedy. God had had it. He was done. You know, Scripture says God will not always strive with us. It comes a time when he must act righteously, that he must judge. This is what we're studying in the revelation of Jesus Christ. The rejection of their message and the messengers, Lord God of their fathers, had sent warnings to him. He had great mercy on his people to send those warnings. God is still warning people today. It's still the age of grace. We still are living under the canopy of God's grace. You can still come in and avoid all the woe that's coming towards us by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, by believing that he died on the cross for your sin, declaring him Lord, confessing your sin, and believing that God raised him on the third day. You can still come into the kingdom even right now. God's greatness, God's compassion towards his people is incredible. Rising up early, sending them out. He had given them a fourth out in the inning. He had allowed them one more at bat. Even though they usually have three outs in an inning, he gave them one more inning because of his mercy, because of his grace, because of his long-suffering. But they mocked. They despised. They scoffed. This was too much. It was a triple injection of God, the message. And it sealed their doom. It sealed their doom. They rejected the message until there was no remedy. Nothing could turn back the judgment of God That's where we are today, folks, in our society. Can anything turn back the wrath of God? I don't know. We pray. We pray. But how do you reconcile six million babies? How do you reconcile that with God? I don't know. I don't have the answers. I know he does. So God looks at Jerusalem. He looks at Judah and said, Turn out the lights. The party's over. Game done. Verses 18 and 19, excuse me, 17. Therefore, he, he, God, brought against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin, on age or the weak. He gave them into his hand. And all the articles from the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord, the treasures of the king of his leaders, all these he took to Babylon. Took it all. They took every bit. They took it all. Then they burned the house of God. 
They broke down the walls of Jerusalem. They burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious possessions. All its precious possessions. He brought against them the king of the Chaldeans. And they were having rejected the message, his compassion had reached his end. And God turned Judah over to a leader and to a people who wouldn't have compassion on him. Look what they did. They didn't have compassion on him. It sounds like Romans, doesn't it? Giving them over to their retrobate mind. Giving them over to what they really want and really deserve. Sounds like what's happening here. He gave them all into the hand and even the articles of God. Its palaces, its precious possessions. The complete destruction the Babylonians brought on the people and Jerusalem. Nothing was spared. All was destroyed. That beautiful, incredible temple that Solomon had built that we studied. Remember, we studied the gorgeous temple that Solomon had built. It was gone. It was completely destroyed, burnt down. All the walls of Jerusalem were torn down. And it would be that way for many, many years until it was humbly rebuilt by the returning exiles in the days of Ezra. They broke down the walls, which was the security. There was no security. You could no longer live in Jerusalem because there was no security. There was no place to hide. They would be ruined, but they wouldn't be rebuilt until who? Nehemiah. Until Nehemiah. Absolutely. 20 and 21. And those who escaped from the sword, he carried away to Babylon, where they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbath. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. And this is an interesting thing. Those who escaped from the sword were carried away. This was the third major wave of captivity. They took the remaining people, except the very, very poor that they left in the land, they took them away and they became servants. They became servants. Many believe that this might have been when Daniel was taken. We don't know, but we do know Daniel was there during this time. If you read Daniel 1, 1 to 4. The Persians conquered the Babylonians in 539. And the Jewish people were allowed to return to their native lands after the Persians came to power. It's interesting that you can look through the history books and you can see that. They fulfilled the word of the Lord from Jeremiah until the land enjoyed her Sabbath. What does that mean? That means... That at, at the end of the seventh year, at the end of the seventh year, they were supposed to give the land rest. They weren't supposed to do anything on that year. They were supposed to give the land rest. It, according to Exodus 23, 10 and 11, every seven years they gave the land rest. The people of Judah had denied. They denied this over some 490 years meaning that they owed the Lord 70 Sabbaths. They owed the Lord 70 Sabbaths, and he said, it's time to pay up. It's time to pay up, which is why they spent 70 years in Babylon, so that the land could catch up on their Sabbaths. The land could catch up on the Sabbaths. It was part of the Mosaic law that every seventh year, the land was supposed to rest. This was a promise that... God made because of Israel's disobedience hundreds and hundreds of years before. 
The land shall enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate and you are in enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate. You shall rest for a time. It did not rest on the Sabbath when you dwelt in it. Leviticus 26, 34 and 35. Jeremiah spoke of the seven years of exile in two places. Jeremiah 25, 11 through 13 and Jeremiah 29, 10. It's interesting that it's 29, 10 because all of you can repeat 29.11, all of you can repeat that. Let's finish out. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was big during this time. He was really big and used mightily of the Lord. And when you read through his book, he constantly mentions all these names that we've been talking about. He was very, very big here. That the, mouth, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, he was faithful too. He was so faithful to deliver God's message. Might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it in writing saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among you of all his people. May the Lord his God be with him and let him go up. So they are freed to come back now and build the temple, rebuild the temple. This becomes the second temple. This becomes the second temple. This is the temple that's standing when Jesus comes. This is the temple that is standing when Jesus comes on the scene hundreds of years later. He gave a decree. Who did he give the decree to? What's the first next book name? Ezra. He gave the decree to Ezra. And that's what Ezra does. Ezra comes back and starts to rebuild the temple. He starts to rebuild God's, God's house. They started rebuilding it in 30, uh, 538 B.C. That's Ezra 1, 1 to 4, and Ezra 5, 13 and 17, which we're going to get to. All, I, love, I love what King Cyrus says. All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God has given me. He's recognizing that the Lord had given him all those things. I think that's pretty cool. Here you have this pagan king recognizing Lord God Jehovah. It's remarkable that the God's hand upon his life, and he recognized it. He recognized the prophecies. It's interesting. And there's a prophecy regarding Cyrus also in Isaiah 44. You can look at that, Isaiah 44, 28 to 45. And look at that prophecy concerning Cyrus, king of Persia. He's commanded me, he said, to build a house in Jerusalem. He commanded this guy to build a house, and he's listening to him. I love it. The command of Cyrus was not only the return of the exiled people, but build the destroyed temple. Who among you is all this people? May the Lord his God be with him. Let him go. The books of First and Second Chronicle end with this wonderful and remarkable encouragement to return and build Jerusalem. I love it. It didn't leave us hanging. It didn't leave them in captivity. It left them thinking, it's time to get back and get busy. It's time to build the house of the Lord. I love this. It was necessary and helpful encouragement for the first readers of the Chronicles to let them see their connection with God's broader plan of the ages. God needed that temple there. He needed that temple there because the Messiah was coming. The Messiah was coming in a couple hundred years. The Messiah would be on the picture, on the scene. And that temple had to be built. It had to be ready so that he could walk in that temple. You are a sure. 
Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of 2 Chronicles. The book follows the kingship of Solomon all the way through until both Judah and Israel are taken over by other kingdoms surrounding them. There are many moments of great faith within these pages and also typical moments of falling away from where Israel had begun. But the moments of faith put a spotlight on God and His amazing ways of coming through for His people. No matter the situation, God is on the throne. He's more powerful than any opposing country or enemy that's coming against you. So take courage and believe God for big things today. If you're enjoying this series from Assure Hope, we invite you to check out more messages at assurehoperadio.com. Get to know more about Pastor Dave while you're there. You can also get a feel for the church behind this ministry, too. That church is Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. Please feel free to explore our website to get more information on service times and other useful information. If you're not in the area, why not find us on Facebook or YouTube? We live stream our services to both of these platforms. Find links to both of these on our website, assurehoperadio.com. If for any reason you'd like to email us, you're welcome to do that as well. Our email address is info at capewatchradio.com. Our time is up for now, but make sure you come back again for another edition with Pastor Dave, teaching through the book of Second Chronicles on a sure hope. You've